Hey there, bud. This is the Midnight Owl. I'm your host, Tim. I'm joined this week with Attic. Hey. And Bree. Hello. Oh, how you, so how are you guys doing? Like, uh, I'm not really sure how we jump into this. Uh, Attic's been on a few episodes, and uh, Bree and Attic are married. You guys have been together for, oh my God, like 10 years? Yeah. yeah. Like We've been now. married for three I think. Oh, yeah, together, for four. together were like 11 years. We've been married for four. Really? Yeah, we got married three, in 2016, thanks for remembering. Three, three or four years, yeah. yeah. Well, the four doesn't happen until the next anniversary. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah, we, Everyone's right. We, we've been together for 11 years now, I think. Yeah, since about 2009. So. Yeah, it's about 11 years now. And uh, married for six. Or sorry, married for four. Married for four. Owned a house for six. 
don't know why. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why I put that <laughs> together. Yeah. Well, and we brought Bree on this week because uh, you have a pretty interesting career and life, and we just kind of wanted to talk to you about that and kind of. Yeah, thank you. Any anything that I can, any time that I can hop on and, and talk about me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Well, I started my own podcast so I could hear my own voice. Exactly right. It gets to be like just really fun and entertaining and and that's why why I love what I do as a musician um I get to do it for fun but you know you, you kind of have to work at it as like a business you also have to sell yourself and, and sell your heart and soul and all your um wear your emotions on your sleeve and stuff so it can be it could be hard, it, 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 but I, I love what I do, but it's, um, you, you really got to go at it with a business perspective and try and make it work as a business. Otherwise, you know, that's why all, all these artists that are signed, they have people that are working on they're advertising their, their songs, promotion, radio, you know, sales. That's something that. I've noticed. Like, that's why I stepped away from the way that I was doing the podcast is like, it stopped being a lot of fun when you had to consider everything. And it's like, what's exactly. what's your brand? What are the three other things you're going to sell so that you can make this work? Yeah, exactly. You put you put the money into it and you start monetizing and, and it just all becomes a business and it kind of takes the passion out of what you're doing. Or the reason that you started doing it in the first place is kind of, it's easy to lose that perspective for sure. So... Well, uh, like, do, do you think there's anybody out there? Like, can you get famous enough that you can get back to having fun with it, or is it always like, yeah, you actually, just make more that. money, so you have more people? I think social yeah. media plays a big part in that. Like, I, I think I think if you can make it on the social media, you can still have a lot of fun with it. Like, Bree's been doing a lot of lives on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, and I, I find you have a lot of fun with those shows, right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're well. I mean. Everything is so different. Like when I started in the music industry, I was 15 and I, and I recorded my first album at the age of 15, full length wow. studio album. And I was working, but I was so young. I had a lot of people like my mom and we had a, we had a business that a company formed that was basically yeah. acting like a label for me. And, and things were very different then because we didn't have social media and my aging myself. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, I've been doing you know? that a lot recently, too, like, because I can't imagine what it would be like if I was, let's say, 20 years old and, you know, COVID's over, you go back to the bars. Could you imagine yeah. trying to, like, dance with a girl to the TikTok dances now? <laughs> so, so weird. Like, yeah, the way everything the, is and social media is just taking over life now. And, and it's all about social media marketing, marketing your brand. And being the, the last time I was in the club, it. Lady Gaga's poker face was still on. Well, those were the days. Wow. I sometimes think about that song. I'm like, oh, man, I thought we were just going over there and boogieing down. <laughs> well, Bree, you were talking about, like, how social media has taken over. Like, it, I, I'm not really – I didn't have a chance to get into music when I was younger. Like, I never really had a, a big genre or anything. But from what I've seen is that y- – <laughs> There's artists out there writing songs for for TikTok, 
that like you just need a good line or two or a decent beat and it's not really about the song you're just looking for that 30 seconds and everything is so transitional like it nothing sticks or lasts anymore i know it's very like 15 minute fame and then it's over it's like a trend and now you've got all these apps so you know facebook was the biggest one and the first one and then now it's all about instagram now it's all more about tiktok so we're like tiktok is taking over my life because it really speaks to the creator in me and and Mm -hmm. and also you know the way that the algorithm works when you post something it it can either like go viral or it could just not do much of anything but you always have that chance so yeah for people like me who is you know just trying to sell my art online and my you know as an artist that yeah. is a big opportunity for for promotion to like you know gain a new fan all the way in another part of the world it's like this is opening up all of that and and i'm fortunate enough to have radio um to have radio airplay in canada and north america on satellite radio but yeah. just imagine you know there are there are internet radio stations now that play me and I, i've got um some fans in brazil i've just got some brazil royalties and i'm getting you know it's oh, because wow. of the internet <laughs> and also and it's yeah. also remember remember you had a pretty i mean not, not a pretty big song but you had a song that was you know that did pretty well in japan or china what song was that um so that was like when i had just started uh releasing music to radio and this pan this this radio station in uh Chibuan or something japan it was in japan started mm-hmm. playing my music i think it was like honey but so the very first ones that i started like releasing and, and got any kind of commercial play so honey yeah. um with you whiskey like there's there's a big uh country market in in japan <laughs> i wouldn't know that if i you know didn't have the opportunity to get all this exposure online so yeah. do you ever have to like cater what you're doing like kind of step back from the artistic point of view and like all right well this is what's consumable or this is like what's going on right now as opposed to because like it sounds weird we had this yeah. talk at the cottage the last time mm-hmm. we all got to meet up and it was like it you have to know the algorithms. You have to know yeah. when to post, uh, you know, like in the mornings or afternoons, like the highest traffic times and stuff. Like, yeah. does that ever play a role in what you're writing yes. or doing? Or is that always secondary? That The thing is that it's kind of, I'm at that, I'm at the point where it was never about that for me. And I, I had mm. a, I had a hard time, you know, selling myself and like looking at it from a business perspective. And I was just really lucky to have like a team behind me in the beginning when I was young. And now I'm yeah. looking at how the comp- the competition out there is getting so much tougher. You have to be on your game. It's like you have to be five steps ahead on social media. It's like things is, things are going so fast now that that it's all I think about. It's it's well, like what what can my next post be? Like what should I do? That's that was like a great picture. What like content, content, content. That's all I'm thinking of every day and <laughs> taking over my life. <laughs> For sure. Well, like I remember back in the day, um, like I, I really first noticed it with Shania Twain of all people. She would le- release the country song 
and then she would release pretty much the exact same song, but as the pop song. Yeah. And then Taylor Swift came along, and she really capitalized on that shift. But it's at a point now that I've put on the radio recently, and I'm not trying to badmouth any of your colleagues, but <laughs> my God, is country just pop? Like, yeah. there's cowboys singing about putting on their hats and boots and going to a club, and it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you know what? I can't the identify only... with any of it. And I feel like the same exact way when, you know, guys get up, you know, and I'm not going to like name any names, but they, they wear these tight jeans and that they sing a song about shaking your, shaking your ass. And, and then it goes to number one. (laughs) You're like, oh, well, if I just had a wrote a song that was about shaking my ass, then I get to number one. It would be great. And it's that kind yeah. of stuff that, but that's where the business end comes back into it, and it sucks the life out of it. It's commercial. That's what commercial is. You know, yeah. people just want to like be able to sing along. And I went to this um, this publishing workshop in Nashville a few years ago. Well, it must have been right right when we were kind of when we were starting to date, right? <laughs> um, or maybe it was just a little bit before. No, but I, I anyway, I spent some time. What? That's not really important when you go. <laughs> you just <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not the point. But um, yeah, it was an, an amazing learning experience because I got to basically put my songs in front of all the top, well, four of the biggest top publishers in Nashville. So that's basically the most competitive part of the world for what I'm trying to do, and they're taking yeah. the time to listen my songs and critique them and, and stuff, stuff like that. So one of the biggest things when I started writing for commercial radio, like writing a commercial radio song, I will always remember the one thing um, that one of that our teacher said in that like that opportunity, she said, you have to write a song that's going to catch the ear of a mother of three that's driving her minivan to a kid's soccer, you know, she, you have to get grab her so much in that song, those first three seconds, that she wants to turn the radio up, even though she's like the most, you know, busiest person out there on the road. And but oh. that really hit me. And I'm like, okay, it has to be easy. It has to be like simplified. Yeah, and it's just getting consumable. Worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, well, it's I guess getting... the, like once you get your foot in the door, then like you can start to work backwards and put out the music you really want to work with exactly. finding it, the, the fans and the bass to, to, to get that music across. And that's what every artist dreams of. It's like, you know what? Okay, if I have the opportunity, you know, to, to get a number one, to have like a few number ones, okay, maybe I will sing about like sex or something that I totally would never say in my life. It's like being controlled to that point because you know you're going to get that opportunity at least to live your dream. And then, yeah. and then you can you know, kind of come back into why you started and like having more control about it and not, not being so commercial. And I think there are a few artists that have broke through like in the past few years, like Chris Stapleton and he spent years writing for other artists like Luke Bryan and Tim McGraw, like all of the big commercial country artists. He was just writing the song and then all of a sudden he comes out and he plays with Justin Timberlake at the at one of the awards, and then takes home takes home like the the CMA for 
uh, best album of the year, and everyone's like, "Who is this person?" But <laughs> he, but and and so you look at him, and he looks he's he's big, and he's got a long beard, and he looks like a, an outlaw. You yeah. know, he's, he's not commercialized. He doesn't look like you know, um, he doesn't look like Tim McGraw. He doesn't look like Luke Bryan. You know, there's these other artists that are breaking through because they're actually really talented. And then you listen to his music, knowing that he wrote all these other commercial songs, and you're just like, oh my god, I love his voice. Like, why, why hadn't he be, become famous more? Like, way ahead of this. It's yeah, he crazy. just had to pay his dues in a sense, I guess. You know, like, I'm seeing a lot scenes. of that. Yeah. I'm seeing so much of that in the podcasting right now because you know like what? people can finally start monetizing. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I have to not be offensive. I have to have like my show broken up into certain segments so that I can hit the opening ad, the secondary ad and the third ad. Yeah. I have to do the ad in a professional way. Um, I have to not have certain people on because that might offend an audience yeah. of listeners, not even fans. I have to yeah. be on Instagram. I have to uh, release regularly and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, some of it's very important, but it's it's so wild that like something as independent as this, that's like one of the last bastions of doing whatever the hell you want has been taken over and they're just doing the exact same thing as everyone. Yeah. Like yeah. the other day I was scrolling through Instagram absentmindedly and there was like some grandma who like does three seconds of whatever the hell her page is and then she's like oh yeah and squatty potty and she starts going into a commercial on her feed because she's being sponsored by squatty potty (laughs) (laughs) this is the saddest thing i want to hug you like don't like be fun be creative but like i don't know (laughs) do you think that's going to come back around now like with different ways of consuming like music because i understand that limewire uh, oh my god i'm dating myself Lime wire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I remember that. being able to tour on all this music but now we have ways of streaming it um and like radio is difficult to listen to now because it's been so like down in the area that zach and i are in there we're pretty much outsourced like we just re- uh, replay whatever's played in a different province or state like and you know, there's yeah. no radio personalities anymore. Yeah, so, like, and that's the way it's going. Like, radio is so cutthroat. I would say that it's even more cutthroat than the music business because all of these radio stations are amalgamating. They're coming together and they're doing programs so that there's no, they basically can just have one personality and, yeah. and, and just stream this or play the same thing on all their stations. And, yeah, and, one and person so in Edmonton decides all the music that's going to be played across yeah. Canada at seven, yeah. seven thirty. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's the way it is for the Rogers station here too. That supports my music a lot, and everything is changing with with radio. And I think it's you know kind of scary because radio yeah. is is all that we've known that to be the most powerful thing in media. It's yeah. power. And you're getting your message across and exposure, but now it's turning into, you know, satellite radio and streaming, you know, hearing more of what you want to hear on demand all the time, you know, not having to listen to the, the commercial, you know, 
labels well, that at least with spotify there's a chance that like if you like this music maybe you'll yeah. like this music like could you see it ever going backwards to where it's like a little bit less of this pre-packaged nonsense or have i just gotten so you know old what? that when i listen to the music today and i'm like this is fucking dumb yeah <laughs> oh, i think, I think that it is going it's going back because everyone is so everything online is so individualized now like your phone like literally listens to you and it's a smartphone, yeah. so it'll show you things that you that it knows that you want to see. Like it knows your t- so everything is becoming, you know, individualized and and just available at your fingertips all the time. So maybe commercial, maybe this whole commercial ideology will change. Yeah, well, that's where I'd be interested to see you with like a a Patreon or. Um like a podcast of your own like do you know much about patreon have you heard about that no. that system so I, know. I don't know if like there's many musicians on it but basically what it is people sign up and you have different tiers so let's say you have a two dollar tier um so you're shucking and jive and you're doing all your other stuff but the people that become fans of you that want to support you would give you two bucks a month and then you would you know jump on give them an extra song or oh, do wow. whatever do that there like one of the podcasts i listen to and it's like i'm not comparing myself to them tell them steve dave Mm -hmm. they have seven thousand patrons and the lowest tier is five dollars wow so So it's like a membership basically that they have to yeah and you're just tossing them a couple of bucks you still get the main feed and everything that's for free and all the other stuff that they do but if you pay $10 a month, you get to see the videos. If you pay right. $40 a month, every three months, they'll send you a t-shirt. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so... I would say the majority of people are on that 7000 uh, are on that $10 tier. So like, that's like $70,000 a month before taxes and patrons cut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But like, I I just, I, because I'm not aware of like the music side of it, it would be so interesting to see an artist be able to jump on and like communicate with their fans that way and start building. Yeah. And I think that's why the live streaming, like every, all the musicians, every artist that I know at least and around the world is just relying on the live streaming. And so there are other ways of, um, making money on your live streams now now TikTok has this uh points system so you can you can charge your credit card or you can load your account with points and then you can mm-hmm. go watch your favorite live streamer and just give them points and that's and it's basically converts it well, converts it to money but TikTok takes like 50% of whatever um, yeah. you make so you don't make a lot unless you know unless you're like Rosie O'Donnell and and you have like three million followers (laughs) and then you know you'd be just live streaming all the time because that would be the way that you would take your money and that's your job so you could literally just be right some of these kids playing video games on twitch too doing the live streams there they're pulling uh over a hundred thousand dollars a month one of them just got like a hundred million dollar contract to switch from twitch to the microsoft live stream thing wow Isn't that crazy they're paying you just to, just to switch of like you playing video games just from one recorder device to another 
But that all goes to Bree's point about like you don't need a massive audience anymore. You don't have to worry about having a hundred thousand fans and what percentage of them are gonna like you if you can build that core of, you know, maybe five thousand yeah. or ten thousand people that just really like you and you can support them and vice versa, like build that relationship. Exactly. It, it takes um it takes a lot of individual like work to really get to know who's who's watching your lives and meeting someone new and then you they keep coming back so you have to really you know make that connection and their rapport with the person so you have like all these super fans but you have the opportunity to keep growing and growing and the more you grow the yeah. you know the, the bigger you become the more fans you have and it's just a it's the online is taking over the world. I, I, I really think that um, TikTok is just huge for music, for musicians right now because a lot of musicians really need to get on for now already because it really just, the thing with that platform is it just throws you on people's, like yeah. right, right in front of people that you've never heard of. Like Bree has been getting fans from all over the world now from there and just by people from her videos popping up on their feed. Right. And yeah. so I finally have enough follow. You have to have at least a thousand followers before you can actually live stream on TikTok. And so it oh, took okay. me a little, like it took me a few months to get up to that point. But now I'm just going past. And the more people who follow you, the more you know people who will you know the video will turn up on their FYP on their for you page. And there are people that don't have any idea who you are. You know, it's just random, like all over the world. So it's great promotion, and they say that TikTok is going to be like it's blowing. It's going to blow up the business world. All the businesses are going to want because it's like all this. It's all this exposure that you couldn't really pay for. Well, it's hard to feel bad for any of the production companies because they've treated the artists so poorly for so many years. Yeah. Like. Like just taking advantage of them, putting their name on all of their content. Like I remember, <laughs> back to Taylor Swift. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but like it comes on, I ain't changing the, the fucking radio. I ain't changing the radio. You know what? I'm gonna shake that off because <laughs> I will slam that screen door. <laughs> but <laughs> like her uh her producer or whatever had uh had licensed like had all of the copyright to all of her music and then like he was getting death threats because she mentioned it on social media that he wasn't handing it over and yes. he's like please don't kill my children i'll just give it to her <laughs> uh, yeah but like that's and that's how close you can get with your fans now like the intimate of the intimacy of social media <laughs> 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 you know like everyone's so, on the phone all the time, so they're always looking for you. Did, did so you started work? when you were fifteen, and you've gotten to travel a bit. And I know that you play a lot in Ottawa. I guess before we get much further, do you want to say your full name and like where people can access your content? Yeah. So all of my all of my music and my social media pages are on my website, brielawrenson dot com. It's b r e a l a w r e n s o n dot com. And uh, you can get all my music on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get music. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. Is it okay if we play like uh, if you send me an MP3 and I can like load one up into like the middle of the the yeah. episode and maybe one at the end? I can definitely. Oh. Yes, I can send you. Sweet. I can send you some music. 
Yay. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a so, new single coming out. Um, and, and I've had I've had a lot of support with Canadian radio. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's really helped my career. And I, it is a part of my career that I have to run as a business, unfortunately, because radio is such that way these days. But I've got a new yeah. song coming out um, this Thursday. So January, oh, sweet. What's it called? It's called Amy. Uh, I recorded it in Nashville. It's on my uh, Demons album, which is my, the most recent album that I put together and that I released. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a song that I wrote about my girlfriend, who's basically like my sister. She's my cousin, actually, but we grew up together. And it's um, basically a fun song about the female spirit and having a, what it's like to have a best friend. And that's what that's amazing. To me. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, hey. So yeah, you can get it on Spotify and all the all the happy places. But so you started back when you were fifteen, and mm-hmm. you were working with like producers and stuff like that, putting out your music and going around. Like, have uh, did you travel Canada doing shows as well, or just mostly stick to like the Ottawa region? Yeah, so I was I was really lucky and very young. Uh, too young to really understand what the amount of work that goes into putting an artist on tour and you know treating them like being giving them the exposure they deserve and all that so mm-hmm. i was very lucky to have a song that i wrote called black and purple and it was uh, i wrote it with my friend who was the daughter of the, my producer that i was working with at the time and we were Maybe like best ready. friends she played piano braden turner and she plays piano and she sings and we would sing together and write together. So we wrote this song called Black and Purple and the Canadian Red Cross took it in as it, one of their campaigns that as like the song and they took like our idea, our artistry and they, they made us the um, ambassadors for the Respect Ed program, which is like an anti-bullying program that, that they oh, put wow. in the schools. So so I was lucky enough to have that, to get that opportunity and tour across Canada with with that. So we would we went to um, you know Calgary. We went we went we did a lot. We did a six tour, and it was they were all month long tours. And oh, we would wow. go into the schools, and we would you know all the kids would have an assembly, and we would talk to them about our experiences with bullying and how we dealt it, how we dealt with it and, and, you know, how we, we used music to, as an outlet to, to express the way we feel and, and it helped us become better people. And, you know, we'd, we'd use term terms like bully prevention a lot, like, you know, don't mm-hmm. bully, don't be a standby, don't be someone who doesn't, who, says, who sees something wrong happening and doesn't do anything about it. Like it was yeah. a lot of mentoring, I guess. And, but it was a chance for me to sing, <laughs> and, I, and I loved it. Um, That's so yeah, beautiful. yeah. So it was a great experience while it while it lasted. And and then I went to um, London and I in the UK and I performed. I performed down there at a at a really nice pub um, called the Bedford Inn. And uh, and then also when I was when I was eighteen, I released. Uh, my second album, my second full-length album, and I went to London, the UK, to record four of the songs on that album there. 
with um, the, with Stuart Epps. With, uh, with what's his name? He, who worked with Elton John. Elton John. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was young. I was still with my like in. I was with an independent label at that time, and yeah. um, you know I was eighteen, and like I didn't really know a lot about Elton John, but I knew I loved his music. It was a great yeah. opportunity that I had gotten through the connections of my of my independent label. And it was MySpace. That's how we met, actually, MySpace on the internet. <laughs> you know, we met the producer, we met Stu, and then, like, um, developed a relationship. And he came to Canada, and he recorded, we recorded stuff here. And then we went to England and recorded four songs with him there. And... Um, and then he got us tickets to go see Elton John when Elton John came to Ottawa. We were sitting right in the sound booth, like right in the middle floor oh my God. with the sound engineer. So that was cool. But I didn't get to meet Elton. I would, I would die. I'd love to meet Oh, not yet. There's Maybe always time. one day. I think my husband might be working on that for me. Yeah, I'll that's that's wild and then like you you've done i've gotten to see you play live at a couple of pubs and it was amazing i like Aww. i love live Thank music you. and you, you're wonderful you're engaged with the audience and just yeah, I think that's having so much fun up there it's, it's it gets to be more like just uh because people want to hear live music but they want to and they want to party and have a good time and there's gonna be nights where, like my lead guitar player, he says, "There's nights where I feel like I'm Elvis, and then the next night I'm like wallpaper." You know, like <laughs> when you're playing like the little circuits, you don't really know how your night is gonna go. If you're if you're playing bars or you know there, there's a whole it's a whole like world to that where one night people will be drunk off their ass and they'll be, "Oh my God, you're amazing! Play this and that," and they love you. And then the next night, nobody's listening, and you just kind of have to turn off your 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 social pedometer or whatever. You, you know, you have to do through. your thing. You just get get into the zone and do work on your music. So, so what's um, the craziest thing you've seen standing up there looking out at like a sea of drunk people? Oh my god! This one time, uh, I was playing a bar in Ottawa, and this this guy was just so excited and drunk. He did a handstand. <laughs> I don't know. Notice me. I remember. Like, I to, he almost fell on her, so I had to like run yeah. off. Yeah. I'm sitting down. I'm watching. <laughs> this guy all of a sudden does a handstand. I jumped out of my seat. Like he's literally about to fall back on her. I'm like grabbing his legs. I throw him down. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, he's you like, I'm dancing. I was like, you're doing a fucking handstand. I was like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. So since I'm a single guy, do you think that ever impress a girl if I'm like, "Hey, notice me and do a handstand"? No. Like, and then, and then one time, uh, it was like we had done a stretch of shows. So this was the last show, and I was really tired. And I had had it with like it was hot, and I'd had it with people, and I didn't have enough sleep. And there was this drunk guy that came up, and I was playing with my band, and so I was on a bigger stage, you know, off mm -hmm. the ground. This guy comes up and he keeps tapping my tapping the bottom of my microphone. He keeps tapping it and it's hitting me in the face. <laughs> like, so he's guy's wrong and he's trying to hit me in the face. I don't know why, 
But I finally looked out and I said into the mic, I said, stop it. Could you stop that? Because I don't appreciate it. And he was like, ooh. <laughs> he disappeared for the rest of the night. But like all of the stuff like oh that. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get. It's like every... People get crazy and... Thinking about, like, bringing everything full circle, like, I I was thinking about this the other day. After lockdowns and all of us that have been trying to, to be good and, you know, not go out and do stuff, like, live music might have a chance at coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Like... It's hard to say because, like, it'd be nice to get out and be social and there'll be that, like, initial awkwardness. But I- I'm hoping yeah. that people are like, let's let's go out and do stuff again. We were just told we couldn't. Let's Yeah, let's maybe that, yeah, it'll amplify after all this. That would be awesome because I feel like live music used to be something that that really flourished around the, the local communities, too. But, it like, it doesn't as much anymore. It's like... It used to be you could be a, a musician in Ottawa and you could play five nights a week. So that would be like a full-time job, wow. you know, just playing bars and stuff. But now you're lucky if you can get, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, so, and there's so much overhead and I get it. But like when you're paying $30 for a meal mm-hmm. and then $7 a beer, yeah. like, and you can only have maybe two beers and drive home safely exactly. like depending on how rural, rural you are yeah. like it's like how do you go out and enjoy anything anymore exactly i, I don't it know i'm, I'm very like frustrated that. with it all because like my mom says I, that all the time like they used to I, go touring drinking <laughs> you know yeah. like in, back in the well, yeah. old days <laughs> We used to do that out west too, and I'm not saying like get shit faced drunk and be irresponsible, but like if you had three or four beers and you're you know a, a, a accomplished drinker sounds like the wrong term. <laughs> seasoned <laughs> vet, seasoned vet, experienced, you know how to handle f- four beers. Yeah, like I, I could safely do that. But you, you look at some of these people that are. 150 pounds and they have two glasses of wine and you gotta be like well you might blow over and lose your license like i don't know i just i i got so mad because like there's nothing for me to do on my schedule like tonight is a night that i'm gonna be up all night and even if covid wasn't happening there would be nowhere to go there'd be nothing to do i couldn't just go check something out i couldn't be a part of a I think we mentioned this on the last episode, a bowling league even. Yeah. Like just something yeah. to do outside the house because it's too expensive. Exactly. And things are they're, they're just going to get worse after all this. And, yeah, you know, I think so. It's so expensive is what you're buying, like $100 for groceries every week at least. Just for like the yeah. no- basic stuff. It's, it's Yeah, it's crazy. And the price of houses and stuff now well, and they're trying to eat healthy on top of all of that, like <laughs> yeah. fresh produce. All right, um, well, I had to switch to frozen veggies so I could try to maintain a semblance of my diet. And it's like, oh, yeah. great, mushy water. Yeah. 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 Attic doesn't like the broccoli when it's from the freezer. It's it doesn't, it like doesn't that. taste the same. No, I, I hated it. The fresh broccoli tastes a lot better to me. But yeah, that yeah. just means we have to go get get vegetables at least once a week. So how long after lockdown do you see yourself getting back out there and trying to do shows again? 
or is it even profitable anymore? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's gonna be like, I, I don't know. It's once we all get a vaccine, I think people are gonna even people are gonna feel more comfortable going out and yeah and dancing to a band, you know, or hugging their friends, you know, picking it up on the dance floor. It's gonna be what probably we all have to be like vaccinated. Yeah, um, another year or so. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I did a show in August after after the so things were starting to open up again, um, yeah. and it was nice. So I played out on the patio, and you know, if you you're there and you're playing your show for a few hours, people are drinking, and then at the end of the night, these girls come up on the stage and they grab my microphone. Because it's an innocent thing to do. Like, stuff like that happens on stage all the time. But, you know, things are different now, and people forget, especially when they've been drinking all night. And and then, so, after that show, it leaves me having all this anxiety, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, you know? Um, I don't want to get my husband sick. I don't want to get anyone else sick. Like, am I just doing this for like you know being so selfish like obviously i just have to stay home and if i can stream like go live then i can also make money i my virtual tips are out on facebook and i can make a few uh hundred bucks every which i guess is part of the sad reality is like do you spend your time doing live shows that like may or may not go well or continue to cater to the growing online audience that yeah, that exactly. has the potential to support you. Yeah, I think that the online, I've never been focused as focused on it as I have this year in my career. Like this is what it's about. This is the way to, of the world now. You know, you've got you've got people that aren't leaving their house anymore. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when are we ever going to feel comfortable enough to do that again? Like when when am I ever going to get the chance to get on the main stage at Blues Fest and play for 20,000 people again. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think, like, what, like, and feel good about it and, and be like, oh my God. Like, we all have to be fascinated for sure before the yeah. anxiety goes away at these festivals. Yeah, just trying to do stuff responsibly. Like, I'm, I'm trying not to hold anyone's feet to the fire. Like, I see what the kids are doing now, and you just, like, teenagers and stuff, and like, you just want to tell them like just stay home just stay home don't do anything but if i was 18 years old right now could you Uh i i can't even fucking imagine trying to get me to pay attention to a a teacher online or not meeting up with my buddies to you know secretly smoke weed in someone's garage or something like Like, how many of these kids are going to be completely fucked up in the next like we're all gonna (laughs) we're all gonna there's a whole generation of kids that let's say were born in like April or even January that would probably have never seen their grandparents because like their grandparents are elderly and they can't take the risk. Um, They wouldn't have had play dates. They didn't go to daycare. They would be walking before they meet other babies. Yeah. Weird to think about. Like I'm sure they'll be, you know, they'll be developed and everything will be fine. It's just odd to, to think about those constraints. Yeah. It's a crazy world and I don't know what else is next. And that's my <laughs> wisdom for the night. <laughs> that's 
salt. Yeah, I guess we just got to take it with a grain of salt and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. All you can do. As long as, the, you know, we don't get zombies walking around. Yeah. I've been practicing yeah, just yard. aim for the head. But a lot of it has come like, pretty close to apocalyptic. When you oh. drive down the road and nobody out. Like so do you have any other good stories about like being on tour or you know the places you've been or any crazy stories from within the industry that you want to get into? Um, I remember you telling me at the border they tried to take your guitar once because they thought you were going over to work. Yes, yeah, she, that, she and that was. I could tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got refused go to Nashville, like, on one of my trips. So I was going to Nashville about uh, once every three months, and I would stay mm -hmm. for at least a month back and forth um, to write songs and network over there. And I was bringing my car. I was driving, and I had my guitar with me. And uh, I don't know. I think what happened was, yeah, he, he took my – he asked me to pull over at the border. And then yeah. he took my phone and he was asking me about text messages that I had from friends that live in Nashville that I've been communicating with. And I think there was something about, oh, well, let's write it here. Let's write this song there. And so they were trying to take that, those terms and, and, and say that I was work, basically working. Like, who are you writing for? They were asking me, like, who, like who's, Who's paying you to go and write? And I'm like, nobody. Like, and then they're like, well, what do you mean? Um, you know, are you signing anything? Are, are you signing a label? Are you, you basically like, are you coming in here to take a job from an American that American could do? You know? Um, and they wouldn't let me, they refused me. So I became really, I was like, I had no idea this was happening. And I felt really violated when he started reading things on my phone and, and I said, yeah. well, you know, if it's going to be this much trouble, like they literally make you feel like you're, like you're, like you don't a belong, criminal? like, and you, and they don't want you, you know. Yeah. So you, you automatically have this defense system up that just kind of says, okay, fine, like it, it's not worth it if you don't want me here. And then he goes, yeah, you're right, you're, you're accused, please go, and they'll tell you where to drive. And so they turned me around, and I came back through Canada. The Canada um, entrance, and I was bawling my eyes out. And the poor people were, the poor um, security, border security people were just like, what happened? And I said, I don't know, you wouldn't let me through. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I drove home, and, um, and I drank wine for five days, and then <laughs> and cried. Because, yeah, you know, I had this. Yeah, and then... You know, so I was depressed for a bit, and then my my mom, being the one that was always kind of like stripping me out, you know, she's like, yeah. "Well, this is what you're gonna do. You took this much time off of work, and you have these meetings, so you're gonna go back. No, you're gonna call the border security, and you're gonna tell them what do I need to bring in to prove that I'm not coming to the states to work." And yeah. And so I did, and I called the border guard, and she told me, well, you know, we would want, I guess, you know, proof that intent that you were coming back. Like, if you have a job here, if you have a job here, if you, you know, have a car, like, you're, if you pay taxes, like, if you're, you know, you have 
things here that you're coming back to because you wouldn't believe how many musicians just, you know, cross the border and say that they didn't come back with them. They just don't. I was just going to say that, like, at the start of the story, like, I wouldn't assume border security would be that well-versed in the music industry. Like, mm -hmm. I kind of pictured this guy with, like, long hair and just, like, an ex-rocker that never had a, like, failed at his music career, so he's just a <laughs> bitter border security now. Yeah. Oh, what, you're going to come here? No. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so, buddy. He's enough but you know what? You're not there getting on the one... voice this year. And I was going back and forth so much that there was one border security guy that I made a friend with. Like he and he, he asked me to bring to bring him a CD the next time I was coming through, and I brought him my CDs. And he was like, "Yeah, I follow you on Facebook. I love country music. You're so great." And you know, it was just so easy. But then, like, he disappeared. <laughs> Where he went? <laughs> you lost your so, contact. Damn. Yeah, I lost my way in. So. <laughs> And so anyway, I went back, I went back to the, to the border and I got a girl this time. I don't know how much difference that makes, but she was like, she wasn't arrogant to me the way the other guy was. And yeah. she, you know, heard me out. She, and I had all this stuff. I had brought my taxes with me. Yeah, I brought an, a letter from my, from my work where I was teaching music as a music teacher. And so about an hour of like still kind of close interrogation because they had to, they wouldn't let me through. They told me to pull over mm -hmm. and I had to go in. So after about an hour, she said, okay, I don't, I don't think you're coming. I believe that you're not coming down to work. So I'll let you yeah. through. Well, I've heard a lot of like the Americans get upset about CanCon and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. Like th and, those that know about it, some of them get like really opinionated. Oh yeah. And a lot of the artists, and that's why I feel like being a Canadian and working and writing with nat national artists, they know that they have at least a chance that the Canadian is going to bring it back to Canada and it'll get some airplay and they'll make some money on it. And so that's, there's a big market for that that's going on in, in Nashville. And, um, yeah, I was I was doing a lot of writing and and uh, working with um, American writers and stuff and going back and forth a lot. Um, yeah. And I even would kind of develop a southern drawl when I was down you there. Really I really did. When you, when you came back, you had a bit of like a southern drawl to you. Yeah, because I was living. I have a I have like I call them my Tennessee family. So they're the people that I go stay with whenever I go there. And they, they're so Southern, like this is, their accents are like amazing. I love listening to them. There's one of, one of my other friends here that I, so I have to say pardon, like pardon, like, cause I can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> so, so strong. <laughs> um, and I, and when I was in London too, I, I developed a bit of an English accent when I was down, I was down there for two weeks. So I, I thought I can apparently do accents, <laughs> but not if I try, only if I'm there. Yeah, if I went anywhere within a week, I'd be trying to talk like everybody yeah. without noticing it. Just, yeah, ow, like, it's ow, like ow. you just want to fit in, <laughs> right? It's like how Attic doesn't have a he doesn't have an accent, and the rest of his family does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he was saying last night he's getting a Carlton Place accent. Yeah, I'm hit. I'm hit. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like I was. If I did it, like, ironically, originally, but then it just kind of stuck, but I always had a bit of a Sterling accent, so, like, 
the one little town out of <laughs> all of the ones in the area, just like down in the valley. And just, I don't know, you drop the G's off stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever tell me that. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, yeah, I've, I've been a lot and I've met a lot of cool people. I got to meet Vince, Vince Gill when I was in Nashville and um, see him sing like 10 feet away from me. And he's, he's an amazing guitar god, which I had like no idea. Um, oh, wow. and, and then I went up to him and asked for, for a picture and he was really nice, like just so nice. And then I got to meet Blake Shelton when he was here at Blues Fest. And, and uh, Tom oh, Cochran. Tom Cochran. Yeah. I got to open for Tom Cochran and Tom Cochran is like my favorite as far as like Canadian singer songwriters. Like he, I listened to him on repeat when I was That's amazing. Kid. And then I finally got the opportunity to open for him. And then my drummer um, knew, was my drummer was friends with his guitar player. So at the end of the night, we got to party in, in Tom Coffin's trailer. And all I kept saying was, I was being it. I was calling me an idiot. I was so starstruck. I was like, I love you so much. My mom loves you so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this being a complete drunk. But he was the sweetest. He's like, really? Like, well, where is your mom? Like, he, like bring her in. So as yeah, so she's in the car, and then he's like, go get her. And so my mom, of course, is like, oh, baby. <laughs> she's like <laughs> running through the front door because she loves him as much as I do. And Did you play uh, his guitar? then we got pictures. What? Did you play his guitar? Didn't you sing a song for him? Yeah, he asked me to sing for him. So I sang Wakey Whiskey and... I asked him. I asked him about his song, um, "All the King's Horses and All the King's Men," because it was an album track, but it wasn't. It wasn't like a commercial. It was just an album track. But I, I hadn't fallen in love with it ever since I was a kid, and I wanted to know like what that song was about. And he told me it was about um, like he writes a lot about not about his own life, but about other people around him and their stories. And it, it was about an orphan, an orphaned. Um, brother and sister and how they separated and then they came back together and I was like I can't believe I'm sitting here right now and you're telling me about this like I was so starstruck and I, he's not the biggest rock star in the world but he's definitely a, like like intensely a favorite of mine and I can't believe I got I got the chance to meet him so, uh, we're spoiled in Canada by having these like special stars that are just ours, like exactly, you know, like, like Gord Downey and like, like Jan oh, Arden. I, Jan Arden. Don't laugh, but Anne Murray. Yeah, I grew up listening to her, oh. and for like it ended November to December, her Christmas albums. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she was my. She's my mom. My mom loved Anne Murray, and she she's huge. Like. We're, I'm so sad she stopped singing though. We're lucky for the Yeah. Yeah. You and ever gonna get an album pressed? Like go to vinyl for for anything? I was thinking. We were thinking about doing a few vinyls for Demons, but we oh. like we were hardly even thinking of like is it even worth to press any albums because people just buy them on online now. Well, and, usually, um, you usually order like. 
six, seven hundred or something. I think this time we only ordered two hundred, eh? I think we still. Yeah, have- and I still have like basically we just sell, we use them at shows. We'll we'll give them away, or you know if somebody wants an autograph, then it's something for me to sign. And like yeah. you know, people don't even have CDs in their cars anymore. I don't have a CD player in my car. No. And it's just so. Yeah, um, it's kind of hard to to justify. I uh, I have a record player, but I don't I don't have any way to hook it up anymore. I had to use like a boombox and a bunch of cords and like fandangle something. Uh, uh, yeah. They're selling them, eh? They're like new record players now. You can buy them at like Need a Tire and stuff. That's two hundred bucks. Really. Yeah. yeah, you can even go to Walmart and they're cheaper. The yeah, Walmart, Walmart Belvo here, they still have like, uh, I think they had like Red Hot Chili Peppers and like a couple of newer bands, but they're asking like 50 bucks. I kind of want, I think that if you go to like an actual vinyl store now, you'd probably be able to get newer stuff for a little better rate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The world is a changing. Yeah, and hopefully yeah. we can take a couple step back and just enjoy each other a bit more though. Well, yeah. I think that's maybe that's what, hopefully that's what's going to happen. Everything starts to open back up. People are going to yeah. appreciate each other more. You know, not seeing each other for a while. Huh. Yeah, it's doing weird things to people. And you know, oh they're... my God, you're telling me. Um, I, I've had a a series of awkward uh, interactions with our neighbor oh. next door. Oh God. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like one day we were outside and I was just talking to her. I, I think I've already told the story on the show, so I'll just tell it quickly. Like, uh, walking by, I forget her name. She introduced us, uh, introduced herself to, to me the one time. And, like, she's a police officer, so for whatever reason, like, I'm always scared of the cops. So I, <laughs> like, I instantly forgot her name. But, um, like, I was outside another time and she's like, oh, that's such a nice dog. Is he friendly? I'm like, yeah, not with other dogs, but with people. So she's petting them and we got talking. And for some reason, I, I started to explain, like, my ear hair is getting out of control and I need to see a barber. No way. Oh, yeah. And, like, it gets worse because underneath our porch, um, her dog keeps getting into our backyard. And luckily, Obi's never been out there when the dogs got over. But it's happened, like, four or five times now. Um, one week while I was at work, I think it happened like three separate occasions and she like runs in, grabs her dogs. Oh, so sorry. She's the nicest fucking lady in the world. But, uh, the other night it happened twice in a row. First time she comes in, she grabs her dog. Second time she comes in, she grabs her dog and she's like, just, I am so sorry. I tried to fix it. It's not working. I offered her to help. Really pleasant conversation. And, uh, she leaves and so I decided I'm going to get a little high. It's the end of my day. I'm going to walk the dog. Just go for a walk. I get outside, and as I'm leaving, she's walking her dog with her boyfriend. And she's like, oh, hey, look, it's the dog you always try to go and visit. But I was the high and awkward, so I didn't know what to say. So I just pretended like I didn't hear her. And I just <laughs> tuck my chin into my, like, jacket. And I just start walking forward. But, like, I'm trying to show at the same time that I've got my earbuds in. So maybe they think, like, I'm listening to music. So it looks like I'm staring at them as they're trying to talk to me and I'm not responding. After I was just super friendly in my house. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm losing all my social skills. This is scary. That sounds like me. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so awkward with the neighbor, but he but he wants it. He wants he wants it so bad. 
He's like the nicest guy in the world, but he like he's like a puppy dog who wants to talk, and I just want to look at the ground and go straight inside. And you know, he's just a little too, he's a little too friendly. Yeah, it's so <laughs> hard when they do that. Yeah, you just need a little bit of space. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I mean, especially after all this, people are going to be like, um, space, please. I think it's going to be, like, expected. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I you wasn't know. great at talking to women before this, but after this, trying to pick up at the bar. And just... Yeah. Like, ha- right, like I'll, how I'll make sure this... to keep out of my ear hair. Yeah. Lesson one. <laughs> it must be really hard for single people right now. Like what, like yeah. what? How do you how do you go and meet? I I hear this one commercial on the radio, and it says, "Hey, are you struggling? Can you not meet anyone within your group?" <laughs> <laughs> this is your this is the world now, you know. Well, I fucking hope not meeting anybody within your group. You're only supposed to be seeing family right now. <laughs> yeah, like having trouble meeting people within your group, and it's I mean, like she's a third cousin, but she's in the bubble, so yeah. <laughs> call call such and such and we will organize an introduction like it's like how how do you like how do you do the, the dating thing when well, on Bumble, you, there's uh, different uh, things when you're looking at your profile now so you can be like uh, socially distanced online only and I think there's like a third option which pretty amounts pretty much amounts to like I don't give a fuck whatever's <laughs> open <laughs> yeah. DTF don't care about masks. Oh my god! Is there actually a fucking button for that? Well, no. <laughs> but this is the general understanding of that. This one is the button. general understanding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I just you go out and you start dating now. Or are you gonna have to like be like, okay? Do you believe in vaccines? Because that's kind of a deal breaker. Are you yeah. a crazy person? Well, that's exactly what it was like for my for my dad. Oh <laughs> yeah, he's down yeah. in the states, eh? Yeah, and this girl, yeah, anti-vaxxer, and it was just like okay, and then all this pandemic happened, and it was kind of like. Can you imagine if you were about to break up with your girlfriend right before the pandemic? Oh god, <laughs> just been stuck in the same house. And you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. I know it's yeah. really hard to go out and look at apartments right yeah. now, but like, but you want to. I think there's some virtual tours. You want to check yeah. them out? <laughs> oh, oh, crazy! This has been absolutely lovely, and uh, hey. I hope we can get you back on the show, Bree. Anytime. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, send me a couple songs. I, I, that's gonna be awesome to throw them in and uh, open yeah. us up. I will. I'll, I'll get her your email. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks, buddy. No problem. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. We'll probably probably see you shortly on PAX. All right. Sounds good. Later, man. (laughs) Hey, Bree, it's been wonderful talking to you. It's been for friggin' ever. I know. That was so fun. We're not going to let this much time pass again. We'll jump on and have another show. Sounds good. Perfect. We'll talk soon. We'll have a glass of wine. Oh, yeah, there'll be, there, there will be many. There'll be many Perfect. to be had. <laughs> yes. As always. Yeah. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Waiting for a dream. 
But dreams only happen when you fall asleep Waiting for a fame But fame can't happen when you're half awake In the bounds of You're saving me 